Hi. Did you throw a fit about the lemon? He was wiping his eyes with the lemon hands. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Oscar. Go with mommy, you wash your face. Go with mommy, you wash your face. I'm sorry I let you hold that lemon. <laughs> okay. Hi. Hi. I'm sorry I let you hold that lemon. <laughs> well, he had the lemon, and he, now he's got lemon juice in his eyes. Yeah, that happens. That happens. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, I'm fine. I uh, was just telling Rian, I'm, I'm, uh, I can tell that I'm my my writing is back on track because I have no patience with the corporeal <laughs> world whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like just, uh, bathing and, uh, um. Trying to think of things that are corporeal. I, I can t- I can stand um, things that involve only me, uh, and my immediate environment, my familiar home environment. Um, but once I start getting into the the outside world, um, and other people become involved, I I get frustrated very very quickly. I I, I uh, uh, did you kill uh, someone, John? Did you? Well. Eh, that's a little. Uh, there was the, there was a scene. Uh, there was a. There was. No, I'm no. sorry to ask so directly. You know, no, I. No. Did you no. take care of a problem in the old-fashioned way? <laughs> I've, I've had no interpersonal conflicts uh, in the past few weeks. Ever since our last podcast, everything is fine. But um, I, I, I am. I've become accustomed to the efficiency of converting ideas into words. Um, I've, I've been for the first time in a long time. I've been pretty good at shutting the the world out to, in order to work, and uh, uh, and so the world is is uh, frustrating and annoying. Mm-hmm. So this morning, yeah. um, Bell Sherman, the neighborhood that we used to live in, and the neighborhood that we must pass through to get to any other part of town, uh, seems to have decided to have. Yard sales. Every, everyone in Bell Sherman is having yard sales, and um, the main road through Bell Sherman is called Mitchell Street, and it has these high uh, stone curbs. Very nice curbs. Uh, the road is narrow, so you can't and you can't pull up onto the shoulder. There's no shoulder, so people are just pulling over to the two sides and leaving only one lane through which cars can go and. I needed to get to the recycling center and back in order to do this uh, podcast with you, and um, I I was really really angry <laughs> because first of all, you can see that you're blocking traffic. Just go around the corner and walk half a block to your freaking yard sale, and then the, there's the people who approach the the situation, approach the bottleneck, and it takes them. 20 seconds to understand the situation. It's like, it's, it seems to me perfectly clear. It's like, oh, yard sales, people parked the side of the road. We're going through one at a time. Mm-hmm. It just, and they're sitting there right in the middle of it, wondering, what should I do? Should I, should, should I, I stop? Should I go to this yard sale? Yeah. And, and should I set up things that are inside of my car, around my car for sale? <laughs> do we all just stop everything and have sales? Stopping is not what you do. It's not what you do. Go, but go these, is the thing these, to do. In these polite little towns like Ithaca and North Seattle, <laughs> um, you, you sort of congratulate yourself for 
automotive caution. Not myself, but others seem to be very proud of their uh, hesitation to move their cars um, in any sort of <laughs> confusing situation. I, I, I draw a line between caution, which is something I embrace, and tentativeness, which mm, is not, not something I embrace. Um, and I do think there's like people, pe- I understand what people's lives are like. And it's, and, and when you're driving a car, it may take you a long time to get you where you're going. You're not necessarily concentrating on driving your car 100% the whole time you're driving it. So for instance, let's say you tr- you need to make a left turn onto a street. Maybe it's an unfamiliar place. You haven't been in this neighborhood before. You miss the turn as you do. What do you do? Well, if you're thinking things through and you're thinking about the effect you have on the world, you will maybe pull over and think about it for a moment. You'll wait till there are no other cars behind you and then you'll execute a K turn or you'll just go down to the next block and make a left and then circle around and try again. A series of a series of lefts. A series of lefts. Make a but square. This, this idea that these people who will stop in the middle of the street and start doing a K turn, which is more like because they're because they're afraid to go too close to the other side to the sides of the road where the other cars are parked, it's more like an asterisk turn. Uh, and they'll hold up traffic. Hey, Jill. Hey, Oski. And I start making sounds just like your son is making right now, as though I have squeezed lemon juice into my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I sympathize with you. I was dropping off Oscar at daycare yesterday. Yeah. And the daycare facility has four other schools in it, or three other school-like things in it. Daycare is not school. I understand the distinction. Um, but the schools are out of session because it's summer. And so the only childcare happening in this building is the daycare for about seven kids in the morning. So there's no traffic backup. Yeah. Sometimes there's a traffic backup the rest of the year. That is not the case right now. But there was one driver ahead of me who was trying to turn and he was had his had his blinkers on and he was waiting in the middle of the intersection because there was a there was a truck uh, that seemed to have either clowns in it or a bouncy castle <laughs> or a combination yeah. um, but a, but, a, but a truck that was sort of blocking the view of what was going to be down the road so the guy ahead of me I assume was thinking that there was a long lineup for the drop off yeah that somehow included this clown truck which is going to yeah. drop off its supply of clown children <laughs> um but the, the fact was and it was quite clear from where i was waiting impatiently that there was there was not a car for a block ahead of the clown truck oh. it was it was just open road with plenty of hour parking and longer if you inform the congregationalist church <laughs> yeah um and uh, I had to wait uh, a long time for this guy to figure out. Um, uh, well, he never figured it out. I, I ended up maneuvering around him, and then almost running into a, you know, a, a college student. Yeah, um, was right next to the university, um, and they're bad at walking uh, <laughs> in the morning, particularly. Well, they're like the riddle of the sphinx. They get better at it as the day goes on and then <laughs> decline again towards evening. But uh, this is all t- 
terribly interesting to others. But to me, I think it's it's, it's a sign both of, of our our skill at navigating the world and the suffering that we must endure. <laughs> That's right. That's for being right. able to do so, I do while feel, others are so paralyzed. I feel daily shame at, at my impatience with other people. I, I really do. I should be I should be more patient and, and understanding and empathetic, especially to people in other cars, because. I I uh I dislike the dehumanizing nature of modern life and I I want to react against it. I want to be thoughtful and uh and not do what other people are doing and be and be patient and be understanding. And this this week I can't do it. I just can't do it. Just maybe stay in. Yeah. Yeah, stay in. Well, you know, I'm going I'm going abroad on Wednesday and I'm trying to <gasps> I'm trying to do a bunch of stuff well, so that traveling international, international international travel, travel. Will, yeah will uh um will surely assuage your 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 impatience with others and strangers. I'm traveling I'm traveling thousands of miles so that I can be completely alone and ignore other people yeah. for 2 weeks. That's exciting. So you're trying to get everything done before you go. Yeah. But uh how, how long are you going to be gone? 2 weeks. That's wonderful. It is. It is. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous because I've never been alone for two weeks before. I'm. Mm-hmm. I don't have any friends where I'm going. Um, there are a couple of people I'd like to meet. A friend of a friend I'll probably have a drink with, and some guy I know on Twitter. Uh, but for the mm-hmm. most part, uh, I will be alone, alone with my thoughts. A thing that I long for every day, and yet when I get it, I'm very, very nervous and upset. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it to be alone. Yeah. yeah. I hate to be alone. Rian said to me this morning, oh, poor John, you need to touch someone every 30 seconds. <laughs> I was like, yes, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's been 40 seconds. Crappy. <laughs> yeah. What you drinking there? Ah, it's coffee. Yeah? Coffee. What do you do? What do you do for coffee? Uh, we have got, you know, the website, the wire cutter. No, I recommend the wire cutter and its sister site, the sweet home. They are respectively, um, what they're, what, um, consumer reports ought to be. Uh, basically they choose a product category, television set, coffee maker, you know, a laptop computer, and they tell you what the best one is. Here's the best one. And here's why. And and the writer always says, if I were buying a coffee maker right now, I would buy this. And uh, the the sweet home, the, so the wire cutter is sort of mostly uh, tech items, and the sweet home is household items. And so, you know, good towels, good pillowcases, that kind of thing. And they're indispensable for me because now, you know, whenever I need some, because who wants to spend their day researching like backup hard drives? There's nothing more. Not you in this mood. No, yeah. no, no, no. So I will just <laughs> let them tell me what's the best hard drive that does not cost a lot of money, and then I will go and buy it. So anyway, uh, I went to them. I went to the wire cutter for their coffee recommendations, and they, it, was, it was a wonderfully snobby article that said really the only way to, to make coffee is to have a very expensive burr grinder and then do a – and pour pour the boiling water by hand – not boiling water, but water of a particular temperature by hand. 40, 45 seconds off the boil, they say. Do they? <laughs> yeah, they do, actually, yeah. 
Um, but then at the end of the article, so they say basically you really don't need to spend a lot. Of, you need to spend a lot of money on the grinder, but the actual coffee making apparatus, it you know just under thirty bucks. You just because you're going to be pouring by hand over a over a thing. Uh, but I'm too impatient for that, and so I insist on a drip coffee maker. And they said if you absolutely must have a machine make your coffee, we recommend this co- very simple coffee maker that more or less. Attempts to emulate the hand hand pour. I'm getting it's not hand pour. What's the thing? It's a specific thing. It pour over, pour, pour over. over, the pour yeah. over. Yeah. I first it saw makes, this happening. It makes, in, in it makes a, a nice cup of coffee. It makes it makes a difference. I did that the whole time I was in Missoula. I was in pour over mode. Yeah. Um, cup at a time. Um, but uh, as the child became more independent, the less time I had for such luxuries, and so I went. I have an eleven dollar ninety nine cent uh, Proctor Silex from uh, Bartels Drugs um, that is uh, makes reliably um, unexciting coffee and keeps it warm for the duration that I want to have it. Fair enough. I don't yeah, enjoy th- it. And this 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 thing does the job. And uh, and actually, the the I did get the pricey grinder, and it makes a difference. It it's uh it's very good. It's very very tasty. Burr grinder, a burr grinder. It's like really cold. No, no, Ed, come on, burr grinder. <laughs> Apparently, you're not. Do you, do you not have to freeze? Are you not supposed to keep coffee in the freezer anymore? In the nineties, I guess not. That's, that's what we were supposed yeah. to do. I guess not. No, it's just, I think you're supposed to buy it in. You know, buy nice roasted coffee in moderate quantities and use it within a week. Yeah, okay. Instead of no. vast quantities. <laughs> yeah. So that's, See, that's what I do. And I, and I, and I, and I go, I'll buy, I'll buy a, one week I'll get, you know, some nice local roasted coffee, uh, various kinds. And then I'll do a month just on Folgers. Yeah. You know. So that I want every I want every cup of coffee to be within a certain range of similarity, but to always be a little different. That's that's fair. I don't think I could go between. I don't think I could go between gourmet coffee and Folgers, though. I, I do think there's a vast much, difference there. Not much difference. I don't Very know, man. Different. Right now, I'm doing Trader Joe's um, Bay Blend, which I kind of like. Bay, Bay Blend. Bay blend. It's a Trader Joe's Babe Lend. Um, it's a Babe Lending service done by Trader Joe's. Trying to branch out into sort of a lend lease operation. Uh, borrowing a babe. So I you a have nice cup a... Of coffee. What's oh, that? I was going to say that I had a nice cup of coffee at Denny's yesterday. Oh, really? I did. I was waiting for Costco... My appointment with the optician at Costco, and um, and I had to park so far away that I was closer to the Denny's than I was to the Costco. So I went in and had a cup of coffee, read the paper. It was a nice cup of coffee. This is going to be a marvelous segue uh, into your eyeglasses. But first, I have to say, I actually, uh, I actually spent the past couple of days at a Denny's in my imagination. What? I the was Denny's writing- of the air. Yeah, and uh, Denny's of the mind. Uh-huh. Uh, I ha- I uh, was writing a scene there. A character in my novel works at a Denny's. 
and was waitressing for these two men, uh, one of whom is uh, murderous and rapey. And the two men have an argument about whether or not to to seize the waitress, and then the, the, they're convinced, one convinces the other not to, but then gets punched in the head in the car in the parking lot as the snow begins. And as my narrative device, the observer, who at this point in the novel has become sentient and is aware that it's telling a story, is floating in the air in front of the windshield. I like it very much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, as the snow begins. As the snow begins. The snow that the is narr- later. There's, there's the magic. There's the magic. As the plot element f- starts drifting to the ground, because it will be the increasing amount of snowfall is is going to result in something later in the book. I have no idea what I'm doing, Ed. This novel has so many characters and points of view, and um, I just don't. I just don't know. Just stay in. Stay indoors, and it'll take care of itself. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Just stay indoors. <laughs> Consider the rest of the world infected. Avoid all others, mm-hmm. um, except for local color in Scotland, and yeah. <laughs> and it'll all resolve itself. <laughs> Rian told me I should feel free to take a lass if I'm too if I'm too lonely. <laughs> Find a lass. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would advise against it. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, that's exciting. So, you, but you actually had a decent cup of coffee at a Denny's at a at a, at a corporeal Denny's. I had a nice I had a nice corporeal cup of of Denny's coffee. Uh, and, and nothing else, which disappointed them, but then they moved on to fresh disappointments, such as the Denny's had a lounge, and uh, no Wait, one had really? a key for it. Yeah, there's a lounge. A lot of Denny's have a lounge, especially if they're t- near hotels. Um, but it was early in the day, and no one had the key for it. And there was a customer who badly wanted a Bloody Mary. Yeah. And was not going to get one at this particular Denny's on this particular day. <laughs> um, well, I had a nice time, and then I went into Costco, and so I went to. The, I've been having trouble with my eyes because I'm getting yeah. older. Yeah, and and the eyes, like the rest of the body, begins to die at about my age. Yeah, uh, the eyes particularly, yeah, without recovering, right? A lot of the other the the, the body, um, you know, it, it declines, but then can be repaired or assuaged, right? Uh, right, but not the eyes. The eye, well, no. I mean, there's some surgeries and things, but but for actual conditions. But this is just the condition of there being eyes, and <laughs> and this being Earth, and so they are they're getting worse, but not so bad that um uh, that there's a, a an easy solution or an easy prescription because they're both sort of going at different rates, and so yeah. each eye needs its own thing and it's a little subjective and kind of up to me as far as how well how accurate i am able to say that something is clear or not clear um through the thing and i don't know it's all happening so fast um i feel a lot of pressure during those exams because if i fuck it up i'm gonna have shitty glasses for years yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's important. So the first guy I went to was recommended by my doctor. It was nearby me in this neighborhood, which is um, a, a bad sign because rents are high. 
And uh, I think the doctor was uh, a shithead, I think. He kind of dispensed with me really quickly, tried to get me into a $1,000 pair of progressive lenses and, you know, Ooh. the undercoat and, and everything. And uh, um, had, had, me, had me convinced that I needed such glasses, but I knew that I could get them for 100 bucks, 150 bucks at Costco. Um, so I got my glasses or, at Costco. Or Warby, Warby Parker. Or look mad. Right. Or Warby Parker. But I figure I, I ought to get used to glasses before I got a really nice pair. Right. Sounds, sounds good. Yeah. And so, so I got, got glasses this, at Costco. this pair at Costco and I had to, had to wait a week. And I wore them and it was fantastic because I have this problem with glare. Yeah. I, do, I think owing to the eyes having different powers and struggling to adjust and I get tired. And, and it really took care of that. So I was able to drive long distances and I was able to sit around candles and not be, you know, driven mad. Um, and uh, so that was great, but I was getting different kinds of headaches from the ones that I'd gotten the, the glasses to get rid of. Um, and then I was suddenly aware that the glasses could help me read better, that mm-hmm. my reading had, had gone to hell over the years because yep. I couldn't see very well. Um, but that this was not quite the right prescription for that, and they're progressive lenses, so I had to, it was really kind of a very narrow little cave to look out of for the... Oh. So, um, and then I drove, I drove down to, to Portland and back for a delightful reading at the Vancouver Barnes & Noble, Vancouver, Washington, and, uh, and back by myself, um, and came back and just had a terrible headache. Uh, so I resolved to uh, go back to my doctor. And the doctor over here, because I did not buy my glasses from him, um, didn't want anything to do with my problems. Sure. Sure. And I was going to have to make another appointment and wait a couple of weeks. And so I went up to Costco and just had and started over. Went to a new optician. At Costco? Optometrist. optometrist. At Costco. They have one in-house who yeah. is... Even though it's right next to the glasses, is not involved in the selling of the glasses. Um, could care less where, oh. where you buy glasses. Oh, okay. Seems convenient that you might buy them 10 feet away, but don't have to. Um, and he agreed that the prescription that I, I had was, uh, was inaccurate. Um, and he gave me one that was a little, little, less, little less in one eye, um, about the same in, in another one. And said that I needed progressive lenses like I needed a hole in the head. And said, just get oh. these distance glasses and then just get some readers for reading. And here's how you use those properly. Um, and uh, so I'm doing that. And I just got some some readers that were not, not perched the end of your nose kind, but actually give them a little more field so I can hold the book up. And it's right. just incredible. Now, read. reading glasses, you don't – you. Um your the distance vision in them is blurry, right? They're focused entirely on on close close focus. Right. Yeah, distance is blurry. Yeah. They're like these like one one point seven five, I think. Not 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 too much, but they make all the difference between being able to reading being a a uh, uh, a kind of punishment for myself or being the joy that it was until I was about thirty five. So, so, so it's a massive difference. Then you can see the page more. Clearly. An enormous difference. Yeah, it's an enormous difference, and I think that I think it's affected my writing. Um, I think I've been less patient as in editing and revising my own work because I'll type it up, you know, I'll write it and I'll type it up, 
And then I would say, I used to pour over, you know, for hours doing line editing and moving things around. And well, now I look, I look at uh, typed manuscript and just, uh, or before these, these glasses and just get impatient and not spend the time that I used to spend. And I think, I think I was writing inferior poems as a result. So, wow. That's so quite a, that's quite an epiphany. Back, back to work. Rian said to me uh, the other day, she's writing, she's writing a novel, and seems to be going all right. And she's, she said, one of the reasons she knew that this one was was go- was going well is that she can't wait to revise it. She said she's been fantasizing about, um, she's been fantasizing about finishing the thing and printing it out and then going to Kinko's, or what is what Kinko's used to be. What is now something that was once Kinko's? Think of the Quiznos. No. <laughs> Going to Quiznos and having it uh, having it placed between two uh, two halves toasted. of an Italian toasted. roll. Yeah, toasted yeah. roll. Yeah. Toasted. Uh, no, having it like a spiral bound, and then going to a coffee shop with a red pen. Spiral and cut. Sitting down with uh, <laughs> with <laughs> with her uh, sandwich script. <laughs> and uh, and editing by hand on paper as she, as she did you know when she finished her last novel which was which was is now quite a, a while ago mm-hmm. and I don't even know if I don't even know if Kinkos does the spiral binding anymore but or if there or if it's even called Kinkos anymore but uh, boy does that vision appeal to me right now it's FedEx office yeah that's of much course. clearer yeah. It's like it's like Microsoft they'll Office. Cut, they'll spiral cut your ham as you need it. <laughs> they'll do any number of things. Oh, they, they increasingly want you to do the work. Oh, really? Places, yeah. Oh, I see. So they they have fewer employees and they have more self serve copiers. Right, right. But of course, nobody knows how to do these things, and so it ends up taking. Twice as long and still involves somebody helping you most of the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, I was at Lowe's, uh, the uh, hardware store chain, this morning. There are no longer any independent hardware stores. Not just a trough of depression? The, you know what? Rian made the same joke. She <laughs> said, I said, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to Lowe's. And How long she ago? Said, How long ago? Today? Oh yeah, it was an hour and a half ago. Um, late by an hour and a half. Well, we I've reminisced. I've probably reminisced about this on this very podcast before. But one of my favorite Rian and Ed synergistic, you know, con- that's not the word, but uh, um, moments where you, you know, were in in parallel when you were in the same headspace was when uh, you came you came to visit our house, and the day before you came to visit. Uh, Owen, who was a baby at the time, was still, you know, he he mostly lived on a blanket where he would roll around. He couldn't crawl or walk yet, but he um, he was lying on the blanket, and Rian said to him, uh, Look at you, aren't you a turnover? Aren't you a Mary Kay Le turnover? <laughs> and literally days later, you showed up, and we were playing Risk or something, the three of us. And you looked up and said to Rian, uh, no, you looked up and said, it's my turn now. 
it's my Mary Kay Latern now. <laughs> I was like, wow, I've chosen the right people to be in my life. Yeah. If people don't know who Mary Kay Letourneau is, is that even possible? Uh, it's possible. She is a Seattle-ish resident still, I believe. Oh, she really? And her, and her um, uh, infamous paramour, uh, which I, don't th- I think might be his DJ name, infamous yeah. paramour. Uh, her former student, who are, and they are married. And are, They're married family. now, yeah. He's a DJ. Uh, They're she- still around Seattle, I believe, or they were recently. Or Fife or Kent or one of the southern uh, suburbs. Wait, there's a there's there's a Fife and a Kent. Fife and Kent are adjacent. They're near Federal really? Way and Des Moines, which is pronounced with the S. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So yeah, Mary Kay Letourneau. She went to Lowe's. I went to Lowe's and uh, it was Saturday morning. So, not it's not a very big contractor day. If you go to Lowe's at seven a.m. on a weekday, the place is full of contractors, and they're being they're being served. You get in and out pretty quickly because everybody's got to get in and out pretty quickly. But it's Saturday morning. That's uh, that's dad space, and they're just they just have one clerk running. You know, mm-hmm. eight eight uh, checkout counters. And all I had was one thing. I had a package that had, you know, it was a it was a wooden screen door uh installation kit, you know, with mm. with sprung hinges and a and a knob and some screws. And all I wanted was to was to buy that thing and get out of there, but all the, you know, and everybody in front of me had their children with them. So they had the you know, the those carts that look like uh dump trucks. You know, the child's in the front uh, messing with the steering wheel, but they, these carts are about twice as large as ordinary carts. So the line was stretching across the aisle and like down towards the paint counter. And then it's exaggeratedly would, long. Yes. And, right. and people would show up not realizing that the line, we, we were making, we were politely making a space for people to pass by. And, uh, and a lot of these people thought that, in fact, they could just. That's where the line began, and that all these people lined up in the paint area were just sort of hanging out mm-hmm. in a row. And then we would have to say, "Excuse me, excuse me, this is a line. The line, the end's back here. Excuse me." And you feel like an asshole saying that. So I see. I'm back on. I'm back on my initial topic now. I sh- I got to get off of this. Stay indoors, John. Yeah. Stay indoors. Stay off the phone. No yeah. internet forums. No letters to the no. editor. No, 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 no. Don't go down I that gave up on those things a long time ago. No, no, no. 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 I still lurk on a on a couple of internet forums yeah. now and then, but yeah. just to see what's up. So you went to Hamilton, New York? Did that already happen? Yeah. Yep. Good time. Colgate uh, read his conference. It was great. It was great, as always. Um, wonderful. Learned everybody people. up real good? Don't know. Don't know if I was successful at that. I I taught a class. Uh, I gave a talk, and I gave a reading, and had lots of long conversations late into the night with old friends. Um, and that's what it's all about. So, very good, very good. At one point, I found myself uh, napping 
on a nice. on a, a grassy hillside with a uh, surrounded by rifle? a big bunch of no no no, no. <laughs> I was I was unarmed I was li- I was lying with uh, with my sweatshirt as a blanket surrounded by a bunch of beautiful women in their twenties who were talking about the various uh, words for penis and I thought this is a good way to spend a week a weekend in June it is it is the weather was nice. It was great. There were a couple of thunderstorms and a lot, lots of, um, and lots of sunshine. Um, good balance of everything. Not too hot. Do you walk around barefoot at this thing? Is it a barefoot kind of? No, I was mostly rocking boat shoes. I don't think I put on a sock the whole week. No, that's good. It's as close to barefoot as you're likely to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the pr- the problem with it, um. Is that the classes, the the novel workshops are very small, and if if one participant drops out or another one turns out to be crazy, uh, it's it's quite disruptive. And then there's not enough to say in the class, and you run out of stuff to do. And also, everyone writes in very different styles. Some people are literary writers who are trying to complete a novel, or maybe are preparing to apply for an MFA, and there are the people I, the kind of people I work with in my job, and so, and the, mm-hmm. and they're writing the kind of thing I try to write, and so I'm talking to them on one level, and then there are people who are writing, you know, some uh, bodice ripper or pot boiler, um, and they're, they have a totally different set of needs, and the various participants often don't know what how to how to criticize the others so that mm-hmm. there's a lot there's often hurt feelings um yeah. especially when there are so few students that the did some of these scenarios uh, manifest themselves this 2014 I was quite worried quite worried this year because i had two dropouts and i only had three students in the class and i thought if there's one bad egg i'm screwed <laughs> but actually and the novels were very different from each other but everyone got along i think it was a it was a good week i really liked these men they were there was a couple of retirees and a guy around my age, and uh, I like them. That's great. So. Sometimes I've, I've found in, in workshops, especially summary things, that there can be uh, dissipation of energy and disappointment all around when the, when the mixture of, of, uh, of really very serious, committed, uh, sacrificed things in their lives for writing type of people are around uh the wrong proportion of hobbyists yeah um i think that neither one that 100 uh, percent hobbyists is fine 100 percent um pros is uh is, is fine uh, but there, there are mixtures in between that are also fine with their mixtures that are are are, are tragic 50 50 is not good i think because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, then you have uh some sort of balance. Nice to have a few more very serious, committed people than hobbyists. I think. Yeah, because the hobbyist can, and the hobbyist is capable of great writing, um, but is likely to disengage from some of the the harder questions about yeah. work. Yeah, uh, Th- this happened to me a couple of years ago, and uh, there was a guy who was writing cozies, cozy mysteries. And uh, you know he's he's the kind of he's got the same three manuscripts that he brings every year to and to throw in front of a different different teachers. He didn't come this year, 
and um, he just didn't want to. He just didn't want to hear what people had to say. He kind of just wanted to talk to just to chat about the stuff without making you know maybe making minor tweaks here and there. Um, but I had you know I I thought I thought the 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 work was actually quite charming, but could be vastly improved with you know just a little bit of character development and uh, more plausible plotting. Um, but he was resistant to this, and then there was a guy who was on my side, but who was more on my side than I was. You know, because what you realize when you're teaching, you you give somebody what you can, and if they're not taking it, you just got to take a step back and and let them not take it. You know, that's right. And uh, it, it's not I religious think, instruction. Think, no, no. Right. Um, but this this uh, this other guy didn't didn't see it that way, and they they became enemies by the end of the week. They hated each other, and it was it was unfortunate. Ooh, that could be interesting, though. <laughs> interesting, interesting. He says. I read a good book with my eyeglasses. Tell me about it. This uh, Alex Chilton biography. Oh, I've heard been hearing about that on the Twitter. Fantastic. Who wrote Twitter, it? Twitter would never lead you astray. Oh, yeah, right. Holly George Warren. Holly George Warren. The hyphen is between George and Warren. Here it is. A man called destruction. Holly Excellent. George Warren. What a great, uh, what a great title. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks for the recommendation. Good book. Yeah. A little. I think she gets. I think she may have gotten a little tired of writing it towards the end. But that's about the time <laughs> that you're tired of reading something. So, which is <laughs> when, sort of which, both kind of at a gallop. <laughs> yeah. Which is when she started doodling, and the ending is there, just a lot of doodling. There's some little squares that sort of go off to each other, and some bubbles, and uh, some little, little faces. big star logo uh, with a heart around it. But then there's like a kiss logo, and then there's Eddie from. <laughs> Iron Maiden. <laughs> I mean, it's a little diffuse. Uh, it's incredible. I'm, uh, you know, as uh, as equal to other big star fans that I know, and um, uh, I'm of that cult. But there's a lot of stuff I didn't, I had no idea about. I really didn't know the story, and the story's interesting about the band and Chilton's. Uh, career with the box tops, which I had just thought yeah. of was uh, as a, a little footnote, but actually was a very significant musical career of its own. Um, he was just a kid, right? He was like 16. It's like 16, he goes into the studio and records the letter, having never recorded right. anything or or seen the song more than an hour before. And uh, And it's a great vocal performance. It's a great song, you know. Uh, Dan Penn wrote most of the songs for uh, the box tops and some, uh, you know, and there were, there, were, there were albums, three albums, and there's a lot of really good stuff on them. Um, Chilton's voice is incredible, uh, even when he's just doing something like that. Um, the Big Star story is interesting. I had always thought that it was uh, one way. Turns out it was another way. Oh, all right, all right. Details I'm, I'm which buy are it. not that interesting, but the fact is, I I had I was a fan of it and had one story in mythology, and and I had it uh, at least according to this biographer, uh, it was much 
um, more complex of a story. And then the post-Big Star career, also very interesting. Mm-hmm. To the point that, that Alex Chilton is 30. Um, he's been in Memphis. All those music, most of the music that I know of him by is behind him. And uh, he goes down to New Orleans. Well, I knew he lived in New Orleans because I would see him occasionally. Um, but it turns out he'd been there a long time. Moved down there about 30 and dried out. Worked as a dishwasher at a, a restaurant in the quarter. Worked for a tree pruning service. And this seems to have been the happiest time in his life. Um, living on Esplanade and working sort of menial jobs and being sober. And in, in, interacting playing with a little corporeal music world. Once in a while, but not very often. Yeah. yeah. Not, didn't have a guitar. He had never made a dime on any of his music. Uh, he made money from the uh, box top, so that was gone by 1970 or 71. Never saw a penny from anything with Big Star until the Bangles had included September Girls on one of their albums oh, and, right. uh, and just cut him a check, even though they could have probably gotten away with not doing so. So they gave him $40,000 know, in 1986. Yeah. The first time you ever saw a dime from Big Star. Jesus no. Christ. Uh, so this is the thing I loved about his voice. Because he was an extraordinary singer. He, I, I, He's akin in my head to John Lennon a little bit. Um, as a rock singer who... But but more, more so with Chilton. He would be satisfied with takes that revealed the sort of flaws in and vulnerability of his voice i'm thinking of um so our the the second story mountain band album is we have all we have all 12 songs partially done now so we're sort of rolling toward completion and one of them the last one that we were working on is called um why did you do it and it's a song by lauren that started out as a demo that she and i did or mostly she did with uh worldzer and just voice and me singing back up and there was and it's rough but there was um, there's a part of me that just wanted to put that on the record, even though it's not good, even though it's full of mistakes, because it reminded me of "Thank You, Friends," mm-hmm. um, where he, you know, the piano is kind of galumphing and his voice is uh, out of tune at certain times. He reaches for notes and doesn't quite get them, or gets them and then slips right down from them, and he recognized that as emotionally satisfying. You know, mm-hmm. as something that's a, someone with a beautiful voice uh, doing something spontaneous and accepting the the, the flaws in it. That's that's yeah. a sort of hallmark of the vocal tracks in Big Star to me. Um, so uh, and of his and of his and his voluminous uh, solo work afterwards. Yeah, yeah, and that was always his approach. Is that the recording will capture um, uh, something that will never happen again? Yeah, you know. And that that's that's valuable, even if it's not what people want to hear. You know, here's a thing that is not going to happen again. Yep. For you to listen to. Yeah. Did he have any? He didn't have any post Big Star hits, though, did he? Or did he? No sex. No sex. Bangkok. Um, Bangkok. Hey, little girl. Um, the EMI song, which is maybe before it. Free again. Um, oh, free yeah, again. I think, I, yeah, 
I think there's 20, I think there's 20 or 30 songs post Big Star that are, that are really worth listening to. Is there yeah. a compilation of them, or does one have to make that? There's, there's, there, there are a number itself. of compilations, I have, um, and I'm just getting them off of uh, blogs or iTunes. There seem to be a, a few releases. I wish I had them on, on CD or, or, or vinyl, but I haven't tracked down the physical copies of them. But it's only been maybe since, only in the last five or six years, that a lot of the solo stuff has been put together. There were, uh, one I had, it was called Box Bottom. There have been two releases of Box Bottom with different um, different sets of recordings. Um, I think because one was a German company that was an import, and then somebody else maybe didn't know about that one and just thought it was witty. And uh, but they're 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 both good. Um, there was some some recording he did in Memphis after Big Star after Big Star's third that are crazy um, and collapsing and self destructing and and gorgeous. In uh, in in like smile style. Um, that that would suggest that there was some premeditation, or that there was some uh, behind it. Somebody <laughs> they were trying to do something rather than just enjoying themselves. Yeah, it seems like mostly uh, for the the rest of the seventies, he would just um, hang out and party, and then go into the studio and you know, make some noise and then go back in a day or two later and, and, you know, figure out what it was and yeah. make some music out of it. Yeah. Uh, not a recipe for, for uh, commercial success. Uh, but he, the things, the, the real part of the story is he had already had that, you know, by, by 18, he had had, a yep. polished musical career and had done um, all the things that people thought that he should be aspiring to. And he grew up in, this, in a kind of art household. The, the, the house had a, his dad was a jazz musician and had it as a side and had a company. And then mom was a, had an art gallery in the house and it was a salon. He grew up just around crazy Memphis um, artists and musicians and uh, um, I think that that teens and twenties surrealist Dada um, uh, Jones was was strong in this one, and and then he, yeah. he fulfilled it. I think I think it's, it's amazing. More of an admirer than I was before um, of of the, the the work that he did, uh, and a little tired of him as a person by the time I finished the biography. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like Holly George Warren was as well. Yeah, I think she was. Yeah, one page but is just ranks... uh, pencil erasings. You know, it's <laughs> this is this ranks fairly high though in the pantheon of uh, rock biographies. You think? Oh, very high, very high. Very high. Yeah, I haven't read a lot of them. I haven't read a lot of rock biographies, especially there've been a lot of. It seems like there've been a lot of really good ones in the last five or six years um, that I, I just, I haven't, I haven't. Uh, like a lot of there are well, a lot I'm of musicians of our generation who have, who have written things of their own that I haven't yeah. um, tackled. 
yeah, the the thing that I'm waiting for is a is a big thick uh, Michael Jackson oral history. I just want to I just want to read a big thick book of people telling anecdotes about Michael Jackson. Dying for it. I'm dying for it. Yeah. Where is it? Well, someone needs to write it. I guess I uh, I like. Well, I think I think Michael Jackson's a very tawdry subject, of course. But I, I like uh, people who recently been say, who knew him that said, you know, in person he just talked like a normal person. Yeah. You know, he just talked. He had, he had a normal voice and would talk to you in it. You know, everything was a put on. But it didn't really look like a put on. You know, <laughs> I don't believe it. Uh, speaking of, speaking of rock, speaking of uh, musicians who are writers, which, as you know, is a is a topic of great interest to me. Uh, I got sent by Granta Books a galley of John Darnielle's novel, uh, Wolf in White Van. Uh, John Darnielle of the Mountain Goats, mm-hmm. who is a hero of mine as a songwriter and of mine. Yeah, I'll tell uh, you, and I am uh, happy to say I'm happy to say this book is really good he's really really good at fiction writing and i'm not surprised i was able to i was able to give it a a good blurb a solid blurb um does it have the does it seem like the work of the same hand uh wrote the songs yeah yeah it's very much um it's it's not it doesn't sound like the work of a songwriter who thought, "Oh, I could do this. I could tell. I tell stories in my songs. I could tell a story in in uh, in a novel as well. I'll just do that." It's someone who actually could easily have just decided to be a novelist. He's writing like a novelist, not like a songwriter. And in, in fact, he writes songs like a novelist, which is he to does. say, yeah. There's, I mean, there's. You feel that there's deep, uh, there's deep background in all of his songs that um you can just barely feel welling up from you know what's what's actually you know it's not not there in the song but you can feel the that uh you can feel how yeah. deeply he knows the characters in his songs and here it's yeah. all expressed and there's a really sophisticated and inventive narrative tack that he takes in this book which is essentially it's about a guy who um he did something or something happened to him when he was a teenager that left his face disfigured. And it's it's left a mystery for a long time what this thing is, and I, I won't say what it is. Um, but while he was in the hospital, he conceived of this game uh, called Trace Italian, which is a – it's not a video game. It's a mail-order game. And the game is he he writes an introductory bit. And it's in second person, and it says, you are here. You're like, I think it's like you're crouched in the weeds under the bridge, and the, the guards are going by. What do you do? And then uh, people mail him what the, their next move, what they do next. And then he would write and mail them the result of what they did. And he had this. he did this game for years and years and had a huge file cabinet filled with all the possibilities. You know, it's sort of a very elaborate choose-your-own-adventure mm-hmm. game or text-adventure game on a computer. And uh, eventually, uh, of course, something something bad happens to two of the players. They end up doing something in real life that causes a tragedy. And so 
he's sort of confronted with the fact of their of what to the extent to which he is responsible for the what he's created and is also has to sort of remember and face his own culpability in his in his own personal tragedy but it's it's and you at get a, at a the game yeah 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 i mean it's and it's really sophisticated i mean it's the kind of thing that someone who writes novels for a living would think of not someone who thought oh i can do this not a smart guy who could kind of do yeah. anything kind of well would do right you know so well, i'm delighted i'm delighted to hear it i can't wait to read it he did a 33 he did a fictional 33 and a third didn't he didn't. Uh, that's what I hear. I haven't read it, and um, I actually is it Van, years it's ago, about Van Halen. I, is it? I think, I think is it about, about a Van real Halen. Van Halen album? I think it's yeah. I think it's a fictional account of, of maybe uh, uh, OU eight one two or <laughs> really. <laughs> I can't remember the names of Van Halen albums. Nineteen eighty four. That's the one, right? Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I have to get that. I didn't realize it was fiction. I. I actually, years and years ago, wanted to do a fictional 33 and a third, and I wrote to them pitching the idea of of, a, of an invented band, an invented album, and just essentially write a novella about the making of a, of a non-album. And um, they said, yeah, I, he said, the editor said, yeah, I, I've, always wanted, I was always, I've always imagined that the last one would be fake. Uh, and I, but I had no idea the series would go on so long, and now we have no plans to end it. So, yeah. so sorry. <laughs> and uh, I was sort of hoping that one of these days he'd write to me and say, "All right, give me that thing," but uh, it's bring, not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, long as there are albums. That's but Darnielle's done it. If someone had to, if someone had to to seize that uh, that opportunity from me, I'm glad it's him. I'll, I'll my favorite songs of his since you asked. Are no yes. children, you know that one? Yeah, what album is it's, it on? I'm not sure. It's the the one of a, a of a, it seems like a, a husband saying, uh, the, the, "I I hope you die. I hope we both die." It's oh, it's uh, it's on Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, um, it's just the 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 inner monologue of a complete descent and breakdown without any turns yeah without any little turnaround may i, re- may I, may I read yeah. the lyrics may i read the lyrics Please. off the internet yeah. i hope the i hope that our few remaining friends give up on trying to save us i hope we come out with a fail-safe plot to piss off the dumb few that forgave us i hope the fences we mended fall down beneath their own weight and i hope we hang on past the last exit i hope it's already too late and I hope the junkyard a few blocks from here someday burns down, and I hope the rising black smoke carries me far away, and I never come back to this town again in my life. I hope I lie and tell everyone you are a good wife, and I hope you die. I hope we both die. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's repeated several times. Yeah. My, yeah. Uh, um, I think my favorite song of, of his is Palm Quarter Yarja. Is that how it's pronounced? The it's off. The words of, that come um, to him in a dream. No, that's Bill uh, Callahan. It's about a no. It's about a hotel room full of tweakers, and uh, uh, it's from the album after the album that No Children is on. Um, hold on, I'll I'll read you the 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 the, the, the lyrics to it. I know them by heart. I should just say them, but then I'll forget them and be embarrassed. So, Yajna Palm Quarter. Palm Quarter Yajna. 
I have no idea where that title comes from. Um, come on, YouTube, load. All right. Uh, Holt Boulevard between Gary and White. Hooked up with some friends at the Travelodge. Set, us, set ourselves up for the night. Carpenter ants in the dresser. Flies in the screen. It will be too late by the time we learn what these cryptic symbols mean. And I dreamt of a house haunted by all you tweakers with your hands out. And the headstones climbed up the hills. Which is the cheery refrain. Uh, send somebody out for soda, comb through the carpet for clues, reflective tape on our sweatpants, big holes in our shoes. <laughs> Every couple minutes, someone says he can't stand it anymore. Laugh lines on our faces, scale maps of the ocean floor, et cetera, et cetera. That's the whole nice. album is about is yeah. about addiction, but um, which but I was, just love the song because it's so catchy. I believe is he was so? one of the addicted people in his youth. Yeah. Um. I heard an interview with him once, and he described the way that sometimes he writes songs. He, he figures he's a songwriter. He should write songs all the time. Um, and uh, sometimes he'll just have the TV on, and he'll just write a song describing things that are happening on the TV. You know, <laughs> old lady walks into the room. There's some flowers on the table. Uh, yeah. Another fine one, not to go too far down this wormhole is uh, oh, cruiserweights please. from his, his album uh, build as the, uh, the extra lens what was the name. Of oh yeah. I have the, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does it with, um, uh, he's, he does it with, uh, Franklin Bruno from, um, uh, from nothing painted blue. So you say, yeah. So I say, so say we all. Cruiserweights, which which starts out, nobody of note is in the crowd. Guys in Bermuda shorts are chewing on cigar stubs. I get better as I get more worn down. House lights like an amplified inferno. PA system borrowed from the high school. Breathe through my mouthpiece. I hate this town. And there's a whole long list of other things I hate. I had to starve myself all week to make weight. Cleveland, Ohio, 1985. It goes on. It's a, narrated by a boxer about to take a fall. Just, yeah, that's great. Uh, that's really great. But that's a great couplet. There's a whole long list of other things I hate. I had to starve myself all week to make weight. Just, yeah. It's just, that's pretty, pretty fantastic. Well, his, his non sequiturs are so brilliant. And, and he, because they're, um, the, 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 tr the train of thought in his songs has always been very literary. He makes leaps that he knows he can make because he the underpinnings of the song are already so strong. You filled in so many details on your own as you've listened to the lyrics. Um, he's you know he's you really have to listen to a Mountain Goat's lyrics. It's so much is going on there. It's not just the mm -hmm. not just the tune. Agreed. Oh, I love the guy. I love the guy. Last time they played in Ithaca, they played at. Um, the sort of big club in Ithaca, the Haunt. They used to play at this place called Castaways, which is down down on the inlet, and uh, it was a small club, and it was it would be super packed when they played there. But um, it was like everyone in the room. If you were there, you wanted to see the Mountain Goats. You'd paid money to see the Mountain Goats, and you were focused on nothing else. And so they really owned that room. But now at the Haunt, which is a much bigger club, the bar is way in the back, mm. and uh certain people just kind of go because it's a thing it's a big thing happening in town and they get kind of bored halfway through and then they go back and then when there's a quiet song people are shouting at each other at the bar and Dar darnell actually 
actually yelled at them, <laughs> which is kind of not cool. It took some it took some stones to do that, or some guts, I guess. Stones is prejudicial. Assuming that stone uh, guts, yeah, gut stones. But anyway, take some gallstones to do that. Take some gallstones to do it, Ed. Mm-hmm. Took some crystals. Took some. Uh, <laughs> took some crystals to do it. It did well. Crystals Healing will crystals. Help in any situation, if you get the right crystal. Right. Um, I'm going to California next week. Oh, while well, you're you are. well, you're in Scotland. I'll be in the Scotland of Southern California, which is Idlewild, <laughs> the Highlands yeah. of of the San Bernardino Mountains. Be there for three weeks. Will I'll you be seeing our friend Alice? Uh, I will because Alice is the uh, is the fellow of the uh, Idlewild Poetry Week. She Excellent. was selected to to uh, come and participate and lend her. Uh, intelligence uh, as an award. She'll also be, I believe, joining the faculty there uh, as a writer-in-residence in the fall to the Idlewild Arts Academy. I'm very uh, excited for you. I think it's a year's appointment. I'm not sure, but but I, th- I think that she'll like it up on the mountain. It's a nice place. You made it down there once, didn't I? Didn't... Yeah. Have you done yeah, that once? I have a... I have a. Uh, I came down there once. I have a, a great photograph of uh, of Jill holding a giant pine cone from that uh, from that trip. It's our it's our specialty. Yeah. Yeah. Big pine cones and even larger rattlesnakes. Mm. I'm nervous about the rattlesnakes. Not much air though. If you like air, air is thin. Yeah. Air is thin. Yeah. Um. And uh, that's what I, I have. I'm going to drive down there. Matthew Dickman and I are going to um, hop in the Highlander, drive down through the <laughs> the West Coast in a couple of days, and uh, for a couple of days, should be a fun drive. Yeah, that's the sort of person so, that you want on a road trip. I'm very excited. I was going to say, yeah, I think he's he'd be a perfect road trip partner. What is what is uh, what aspect of the trip other than the ride is Dickman related? Is he doing something? Oh, at, he's at he's 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 a special guest at the Poetry Week as well. The faculty, oh, wonderful! Faculty is me and Natalie Diaz and Ellen Bass with special guests um, Troy Jollimore and Matthew Dickman and Alice Bullen as a fellow. God, that sounds marvelous. It really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, before before we wrap up, I want to to get the latest updates on your variety show. How's it coming along? It's coming along very nicely. We're work, we've we've had uh, we met seven or eight times in my friend Sam's um, uh, partner's uh, airstream hairstream hair salon, where we sat around a card table and uh, cracked each other up. With uh, I don't know, seven or eight people, which is sort of a changing cast depending on the evening, and uh, that's converted into a script that we're working on. Sarah Galvin will be portraying George Washington, who is also a centaur, and I think we'll break. <laughs> we'll break. He'll break his legs during a dance-off with a mischievous Abe Lincoln. Uh, who was going to be pantsless, but now I think we're wearing cutoffs and a Bud Light shirt. Um, Good. And uh, they're going to have a dance-off. George Washington breaks his legs, and then there's a great 
debate about how to put him down. Uh, Abe Lincoln thinks you should just shoot him in the head because that's how that's how he had it done. <laughs> and thinks that if another president dies in a theater, then perhaps it won't be that big a deal. Um, I think I think we'll try drowning. Uh, but maybe the most effective way will be if, if everybody just stops believing in him. Yeah. yeah. We've got other things set up, other little dramatic bits, some fine music. The poster's coming together. We're using the log font for it. Oh, good. Which good. I think ensures success. We have tickets for yeah. sale already through Stranger Tickets. We're on all the listings. There's advertising. Everything's coming together. Great, great. That's great. Uh, and what's the date? What's the date of this event? August 22nd and 23rd. Uh, Friday and Saturday nights. So uh, it's well, last when will tickets be available? They're available now. They're okay. available now. The stranger tickets. You can buy them. Um, and the nice thing about it is most things, one of the problems in Seattle uh, culture is things tend to last forever. Everybody has to get their turn at the mic. You know, um, events are often include too many people and they go on too long and everybody leaves hating art and culture because it made them sad and tired. This thing, yeah. it starts at 7, 9.30. If it's not over, the lights are up just the same. It's over at 9.30. <laughs> even, if, Good. even if we have to scrap the denouement, people <laughs> will be out the door at 9.30. <laughs> Lights are up. <laughs> Everybody is normal again. Good, no. good. I, I, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a conversation with my wife about the possibility of coming out to, uh, to see this. I don't know if it's gonna be able to happen, but it's a nice time to. of year to visit. Here, yeah. um, it's often quite, quite temperate. Um, we would is love there to a, uh, is there a website? A website for this event? Is there a web page where people can find out more about it? That seems like a good idea, doesn't it? Yeah, There's the, it sure uh, does. Uh, I'll, I'll send you the link Put up for the uh, Stranger Tickets website, which I think is the best, which has the most information. Okay. Do it. And I'll put it in the notes for anyone who wants to attend this event. Mm, I hear the clicking. Clickety click. Somebody's typing. Yeah, I'm sending it to you down through that. All right, perfect. There Skype it is. box. Mm -hmm. Great, great. I just uh, have a Facebook page for I'll it too, it but not everybody uses. Everybody says they don't use no, Facebook. Facebook is. It's a wasteland. All right. Well, I think it's time to go. Friend, what a uh, pleasant time! It was nice talking to you. We had like three weeks yeah. in a row, and then we had to take a couple weeks off, and uh, we'd love to take some more time off while you're in, in Scotland. Yeah, but I'll bring my mic to California just in case uh, something comes okay. together. And and yeah. I actually am thinking about trying to find like a you know maybe a, a cheap uh, headset mic uh, in Scotland and then I'm traveling light but I will have a laptop with me and I I'll look for a mic and see if we can't do at least one from Scotland. I think well, that'd be, be fun, fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, twood, twood, 
Tward. Your uh, book's coming out in November, October, the short stories. Yeah. Short stories are coming out in November. Have you scheduled any uh, go around and speak from it? Uh, Gray Wolf has not, uh, has not, that was a nice way of putting it, by the way. Any speak Go around and speak from it. Yeah. Will you be doing any speak from it? I presumably will be going on a tour, but they haven't told me where they're sending me yet. Okay. Go around and speak, speak from it. I like it. Um, yeah, so I will, I will update you the internet and the podcast with uh, those details when I, when I get them. But in the meantime, uh, have a lovely, lovely weekend with your family. And, and to you, much love to everybody. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. Because it's time for lunch. Box with Ed and John. That's right. It's time for lunch.